Hello, listener. This is Grant here. There's some slight audio issues with the podcast this week, mainly because I recorded using the wrong microphone. I'm currently coming to you through my beautiful Yeti, and unfortunately the microphone that we recorded on earlier today is my webcam microphone, which Windows, maybe it begins with an earlier letter in the alphabet than Y, but it insists on setting it as my default microphone for everything, so... Hopefully it won't happen again, but um, I sound like I'm recording from inside a toilet. I'm very sorry about that. The jokes are still funny, and the advice is still good, so hopefully you can enjoy it and uh, get past the low audio quality for me. Chris is fine as well, so, you know, enjoy him. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Hearty Dice Friends. My name's Grant Howitt. I'm Chris Taylor. And we are here to answer your role-playing game questions, whether you want us to or not. We are also here to die live on microphone for you. <laughs> it's, it's an odd thing, but yes, we are we are both very sick. Oh, so ill. Oh, so grindy. I so grindy of throat. I have a little... St- so my lungs are like a rich, festive trifle full of goodies. And by goodies, I mean different colours of phlegm. Yeah. Uh, my, my throat is similarly full. There comes there comes a point in an illness where you start being able to age your phlegm. And I don't like that point. No, it, I, it, it's a harrowing experience. I, I like it from like a fact-finding point of view, but not from it coming out of my chest point of view. Anyway, I've, I've got a little story for you. You see, listen, I went near a child about two weeks ago, and you're not supposed to do that. No. No, you're not supposed to go near children at any point. And I went near a child, and that child was a carrier for what I can only presume is a plague. A plague, yeah. a pox. Um, a some vector sort of, of the new pandemic. Some sort of hyperbronchitis? I don't know. A portal to the elemental plane of snot. And I then came back here, and I had a little bit of a cough. Um, and only I, a wee one. Only a little one. Like I, I still felt like shit, but I was able to function. And Chris came over to, to say hello, and we did some business stuff. And then over the last week, Chris and us, Chris and I, have died. And just, what, just flat out died. What you were hearing now is gas escaping the body. <laughs> it's that death throes. Remember us for hearty dice, friends. We will remember us for our good work. I will, um, I will do my best to edit out the coughs, but it is going to be <laughs> a tricky biscuit. So we'll do what I can. Um, a loud fiesta. Yeah. Um, until then, um, so uh, so obviously, Chris and I have, not, I, I have not left the house. There's something I'd like to discuss with you, listener. Something which Chris, uh, something which Chris insisted that I do while I was ill, which was watch the film. Now you see me. <laughs> which is if if you don't know it is a heist film kind of um but all the characters are stage magicians or street magicians um and they forgot to make anyone likable which is a real problem because you're supposed to root for i think at least one of them and uh it is a it is a it, it's 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 a very confusing badly plotted out heist film and but it really sets you up for the sequel, Now You See Me Too, where they fight Harry Potter and Macau. <laughs> and the estranged twin of one of the characters, so he get two paychecks. That's true, yeah. Just 
just Woody Harrelson, but Woody Harrelson with a wig and some very strange manners of speaking. I I can't believe that that either Woody Harrelson had no involvement in that, or no one else had any involvement in that. <laughs> I think that was all Harrelson. Anyway, I, I can recommend them, because what they do, uh, in, in, in kind of like a fun role-playing way, actually, they use magical ideas, and then they repurpose those into situations where magic isn't normally done. So, like, say, like for example, it's a heist film, so like they'll use magic as a misdirection to get, to get you to look in different places when they're stealing you know, a big cake or something. But my favourite thing is in the second film, there was quite an extended fight sequence where uh, Mark Ruffalo uses only magic tricks to defeat ten men. <laughs> but not like... Like, he does, like... He, he's one step off, bunch of flowers, and then hitting them with the flowers. Why didn't they go for that? Well, I, I guess that, that would have maybe looked a bit daft. But, <laughs> they had some decency. But things like, like, like dazzling someone with a camera flash... Or putting a rabbit under a cloth so it looks so people think the rabbit is him. <laughs> yeah, how do they how do they mistake a rabbit for a full grown human man? Well, Matt Ruffalo is quite a small man, you see. He's, and he's been he's been very ill. It's his fluffy tail. That's what Kevin will Yeah. <laughs> Mark Fluffalo. Yes, please do watch it. Um, I, I watched the second one, and it just, it felt a hundred percent like a game of wushu. Yeah, it's it's worth it just for just for Mr. Radcliffe's work. Yeah, he's great. Like, like playing an obviously coked out person with too much money. Yeah. Wow, yeah, watch that. Anyway, should we answer some questions? Let's do that. Let's answer let's some questions. Let's, let's stop this movie review podcast. That's <laughs> what we've become known for. Mm. Pop one down on my big hairy chin, my, my ill friend. <laughs> the first one comes from fans. When making a setting with multiple races, how would you make humans interesting? Well, many people have tried and failed. <laughs> they have rather, because the default for for humans is that they're ambitious and industrious. Yeah, and That's they're fucking thing. everywhere. Yeah, but they seem to be fucking everywhere without having any of the cool special powers of the other races. You know, like every other race seems to be like seems to have been behind the door when breeding was handed out. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we can do magic and talk to buttering animals. Cool, I can have triplets. <laughs> Yeah, when, so, you know. when, when I grow up, I'm going to be pretty hot at farming. Yeah, I can reach things on high shelves. We've got irrigation back here. So, you know, have fun making your clockwork owls, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Um, humans are humans are obviously a bit boring because like, they, they're the core that all of the races are based on. And they're also the, the thing that you, you use to judge how different and how... Powerful another race is because it, humans don't have most of the extra stuff that you get. You know, in Dune, they get extra feet. Yeah, to represent that versatility. In fifth, in fifth, they get an extra point to all their abilities. Ooh. Mm-hmm. My favorite way, like, there's a popular, uh, I, I suppose, how's it pronounced? Meme, mem, meme, um, on on 4chan many years ago uh, called called humanity. Fuck yeah. Which was which took the idea of or like in the uh, you you play aliens and you describe basic human biological processes with terror like yeah like you can knock a leg off them and they'll keep coming. <laughs> so um, so we've noticed that um, that humans uh, they that when they when they go outside um, some of the uh, some of the colors of humans when they go outside. Um, they can get they can get um, like, like 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 skin disease 
from their star. Yeah, yeah, it's considered fashionable to have um, to, to to take so much damage from the sun that your skin changes color. Oh, that's really that's really fucking metal. Oh, and they're subject to metal. They um they jam metal through their extremities for fashion. It does make humans sound terrifying. Also, our mouths are filthy. In that we we are slow. I, I don't know whether this is true or not. I hope it's true, but I think we're evolving a toxic bite. <laughs> in our mouths, it doesn't make sense how dirty our mouths are. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's like we're we're actually evolving a toxic bite. Well, you don't know what we're evolving. I I don't. It's over well, a time span larger than yeah. I can comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's humanity fuck yeah, which is fun. And the the natural progression of that, which I've seen more recently on Tumblr, is the idea of... Now, I've never seen Star Trek. I, I'm not going to watch it. You understand? <laughs> no matter how much I try and make you. I'm, I'm, I'm just not interested. Uh, all the aliens look daft. It's the same problem I have with Doctor Who. And honestly, anything with an alien in there, aside from alien. And even then, it's just a guy with a jumper. But <laughs> Real tight leather jumper. It's a big jumper with a big worthy on his head. However, point is, the idea of Star Trek, uh, like of other humans in Star Trek, is that they they don't quite understand science, but they try science super hard. Mm. So, like, they get two warp drives and they overload one and use the other, like, use the second warp drive to warp to warp it backwards in time so they can go faster, or like like they'll they'll jettison it into the heart of an exploding star just to get a boost. And basically, all the fun shit that they do on the on the TV show, every other race in the galaxy is like, oh, why on earth would they do that? That's hugely dangerous. That's a, that's a, that's a terrible idea. And humans are orcs. Yeah, I I kind of like the idea that that humans have the ability struggle through. Mm. Like, well, we haven't got any engines on a spaceship. Well, that's not really a problem, is it? Yeah, we're already moving. Any yeah. oars? We'll just slingshot round this sun. It'll be fine. I like the idea that human um, is, is it? So it's, it's very strange. So the the phrase jury rig to improvise a solution. Yeah. Now, I've heard it pronounced jerry rig, which seems much more racist because it's because it's it's against the Irish. But also, it I, I can see that making a little bit of sense, as in jerry rig improvising a solution when you're not provided with tools by the establishment, as opposed to jury rig, which is bribing members of a jury so you get out free which is which does not really cover making a raft out some barrel no, it's, it's, it's 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 making Baracus. a flamethrower under a jury of your peers <laughs> but i like the idea is i like the idea that humans are improvisers and adaptable and dangerous and quite unpredictable and survivors yeah, and they survive because they, they don't. Like, they don't have these fancy, you know, automatic magic no. stuff. They just have to get no. on with it. The my other fave thing about humans that like, like the, the the way in which we used to hunt is that we bothered you until you died. <laughs> we threw a stick at you, and if that didn't work, we threw another stick. Well, it was like it was like most hunters just run at you super fast, break your legs, or damage you to the point when where you can't get away, and then all their mates turn up and then they eat you. And that's cool, whatever. That makes sense. I can understand that. You've got higher speed, higher damage. Okay? Yep. And humans rocked up. And what they'd do, like, they probably wouldn't hit you with a stick or anything. They'd find one of you and chase you off in a direction away from your mates. 
And then he'd sit down and you'd go, oh, bloody hell, that was a close one. And then these fucking humans would be there sort of jogging over the horizon. You'd be, oh, bugger. And you'd get back up and carry on running. <laughs> and you'd run for another half an hour, 20 minutes, and you'd sit back down under a tree. Lost him. Oh, oh, lost them. Oh, thank God I'm a gazelle. With, oh, fuck, they're still here and they've got mates. And they're talking. And and you just you just sort of, like, socially awkward an animal until it collapses. <laughs> Why are they laughing? What's, what's going on? What are they doing a crossword? This is heinous. I love exhaustion hunting. As, as, as it's so polite. It's just, just if, if, if you don't mind us going over there, go, okay, I guess I might as well. I, I like that a great deal. I, I, I think, I think there's the like in, in, in terms of tenacity and in terms of improvisation, though, in terms of um, survival, humans can do that. But I'd always put humans as the underdog rather than the overdog. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's more interesting to me. I guess I do, I do have the tendency to default to human. Should we have another question? Yeah. Shall I ask one? Go on, then. This one's from Reddit. It's from Atama Jackie. Um, and it says, is the solution to caster supremacy to make everyone a caster? Now, from a, from a do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do point of view, well, from a do-as-we-do, not-as-we-say, um, that's what we did in Spy, isn't it? Yeah, largely. So um, I think that there's... there's there's one character who can't cast spells. Yeah, so let's let's just break this down. The the idea of caster supremacy. Yes, is yes. That, let's, let's talk about that to be uninitiated. Yeah, is that uh, at level one everybody's roughly the same? However, as you go up through levels, casters outpace sort of sword and shield users mm-hmm. in terms of damage, in terms of utility, in yeah. basically every facet of characters. Um. And that that leads to having so the person who's playing the melee character just sort of sitting at the back doing very little, while the major just goes, "I'll just summon a horde of angels, shall I?" The the issue you've got is that the uh, martial fighters fight, you know, um, your fighters, your rogues, that sort of thing. They have to work within the rules of physics. Yes, yeah, they don't, they don't have wish spells to fall back on. Yeah, at least within the rules of physics, which D and D provides, and. As Chris said uh, a couple of sentences ago, as a mage, you can like, you can summon a fighter, which doesn't have to. Yeah, you can you can summon a, an angel made out of fire and swords. I, said, oh, I suppose we'll just have this do the job for me. Would anyone like a cup of tea? I can also summon those. Or if you're a cleric, you can just make yourself better than a fighter. Yeah, you can you can just be a better fighter than a fighter. Or as, as a druid, you can turn into a dragon and eat the problem. Yeah. And your fighter, at the end of the day, no matter how good they are at fighting, is just a very strong person. Yeah, and that, and that's a shame because, like, I think I think um, the idea of magic is rare and magic is exciting works really well in in in, in books and films. So, like uh, the the Conan films, the the, the Arnie Conan films. Yeah, I, I quite like them actually. I, th- I I think they're a fun romp, but especially the second one really works well as a D and D game. Yeah, well, they're classic but, for that, aren't they? Yeah, but it's got it's got like a a rogue, a, a a thief, a barbarian, a fighter, and then when you get magic users, they're either James Earl Jones and a big baddie who eats snakes and shits lightning, or it's like a a, a player character or an ally will know a trick about magic. Oh, like it's, like it's like oh, I can um, let's it just, this isn't from Conan, but let's say for example, oh, I can sing open locks. And it's exactly the same as like picking open locks, but you get to do it with 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 with, uh, with magic. You get to break those physics. 
you get to break those physics. And the problem is, once you start showing players... You, once you open the hood of the universe to players, and you're like, yeah, here's how it all works. Do you want to fuck with it? You can just read, you can just mess around with it in these ways. Then it doesn't make sense to not be someone who can fuck around with the fundamental laws of the universe. Yeah. Because you, you advance at the same speed. Now, I will say, a third-level wizard versus a third-level fighter, that's just some wizard jam you've made. Yeah, the fighter's going to kick the tire at the wizard. That's over. However, once you hit fifth, things start things start getting very difficult, and you can only hit someone so hard. Whereas you can, you know, summon a fireball and kill twenty men. Oh, congratulations! You're now on the negative plane of no. Yeah, we've teleported you to the elemental plane of no. Good luck with the rest of your life. Enjoy. You, 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 you've got a will save because you're a fighter. You don't really have a will save, and that's and that's yeah. I, I think the solution to caste supremacy is uh, a little little old little old hack I found called EL6. You aware of EL6, Chris? No. Explain EL6. Oh, it's lovely. So it, it, it arose from a an, an old article called Gandalf was a sixth level wizard. In that Gandalf doesn't do a great deal of magic in Lord of the Rings. Correct. Like he he's he, he's good at fights. That's not magic. He he makes his he makes his staff light up, and he casts out a curse. But he doesn't do a great deal. Oh, and, and, and I, I guess like I guess he, I guess he beats up a Balrog and then comes back to life. But that's all handled off camera, so whatever. Yeah. In El Six, it's a Pathfinder hack, I think, but it, it it works for you know that 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 sort of thing. Once you hit level six, instead of leveling up, you get a feat. Okay. And and that's kind of that's kind of the fix like that there are a few other tweaks there i think it's things like if you want a magic item that does uh so just to explain people who don't know uh magic items in dnd go up to plus five in normal uh and by plus five that means plus five to hit and plus five to damage which is pretty good that's like upping your chance of hitting by a quarter and upping your damage probably is probably like doubling your basic damage um in El in, in El six, it's either second, uh, it's, it's either plus. I, I think it's plus two. Uh, is the highest that you can make and find. Otherwise, you have to go and find higher level creatures than you and ask them real nice. Yeah, it's a quest rather than a yeah. loot drop. And I really dig that because what it means is you have this, you have this really like fast progression, and then you hit level six, and fighters can still kick the tar out of people. The wizards, like, they know, like, they get a couple of interesting spells, but then it's like, I really hope the fire sticks around to save me once I run out of spells. Yeah, taking a crossbow and just firing from the back. Yeah, and, like, or or you're relying on cantrips, so, you you, you know, you're relying on spells you can cast all day. And that, I think, like, keeping it at a a basic level and having high-level magic is something which other people can do and which you can, like... Or like I think I think I think there's, there's also like you, you can cast high level spells, but you have to have a ritual with casters there, and it takes a while. Yeah, you can't just you know summon a dimension door. You have to you know sacrifice a demigod and, and things like it. scrolls, like one shots. Yes, precisely. Which which the frost giants have written for you, and I I, I like that. I think I, I think that that's a really fun way of doing it. It keeps magic as something which you can understand, but you're barred access to except through plot. Yeah, and I mean the other way is to yes, just make everybody casters, just either druids or clerics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not elegant, but it does work. I mean, as you say, we did it with we did it with spire, like wow. divine magic and occult magic is so entwined in setting. Yeah, um, and I mean that works in things like Forgotten Realms. 
like it's also high it's, fantasy. It's significantly easier to write um, advancements and new powers if you can be a wizard rather than you swing your sword, but you swing your sword super good. Yeah, just real nice, like. Oh, so great. You'd love it. We're not even going to describe it. I'd be interested in playing an old cleric party. That would be fun. That would be a fun thing. And just, but like, but like maybe actually role playing it a little bit. Because <laughs> most people don't when they play clerics or pallies. But I'd be really interested to have like to start from level one and then grab and like and like because clerics are like I'm gonna say the best class. Yeah, I'd, I'd accept that. In that, like they they can fight a bit, they can wear a bit of armor, they can cast a few spells. They've got healing, and most of D and D is getting hit in the face. Yeah. When so you if you've got die. something, yeah, you've got something which counteracts that. That works really well. I think that if, yeah, if I had to pick a single class part, yeah, it'd be clerics every time, my friend. Yeah. So yeah, make everyone a caster, a Tamajaki, and Chris, why don't you ask me a question? I shall. Trivia Lad asks, in a Monster of the Week style game, what are good ways to have your players research a monster and its weaknesses that aren't just you look in books for a while until you find the answer? The monster is your boyfriend. <gasps> <sighs> what? And... <laughs> And that thing, that that thing he likes during sex is actually his weakness. But how do you how do you research that? Um, how well, do you find that out? Well, you'd be you'd be you'd be getting real nasty, and he'd be like, "Hey, babe, hey, babe, put put that silver crucifix on my back." Oh, that burns real bad. <laughs> oh, that's what I like. And then he'd be like, "Hmm, silver crucifixes didn't burn my other boyfriends." And you can you can maybe do something with that. Like you could do flashbacks um, if you want to be a bit more serious about it. Love letters that he's written to you. Um, what, what? Okay, okay. Well, what, <laughs> my darling. This is all assuming it's a it, it's the ex boyfriend. It's the ex boyfriend of the week. All right then. So what ideas have you got, big horse? Something clever like ex girlfriend. <laughs> Damn, <Robin. laughs> No, like I mean, when you're looking at monsters. Um, Looking in books is a fine solution, but you can also just ask people. Yeah. Like, make it social. Mm. Find find That's people fun. who have had interactions with the monsters. Find the sort of the occult underworld. Like that, like that Weasley guy from um, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Weasley guy. The little guy who owned the bar, and he was he he was he had a real a real real lousy haircut, and he was about four foot four. <laughs> He didn't sound nothing. He, he didn't sound nothing like that. Maybe he was my Buffy. What are you doing, Buffy? Don't come around here and kill us. We're trying to run a bar for all the demons and the vampires. I don't know. He didn't sound like any of the voices I just did there. Did you mean the green guy? Uh, no, he was a little human guy, and he ran. He ran like a really shady bar, and like it was a place where vampires could go, and it was it was kind of like neutral ground in the. The vampires would go there, and as long as like they weren't doing bad shit, they could and like demons and stuff, they'd go and hang out there. And Buffy would not kick the door and destroy everyone. But about I think twice a season, she'd go in and rough this dude up, and and and, and he'd be like, "Ah, Buffy, sexual tension," and then, <laughs> um, uh, and then you know he would do that. Um, you can ask people. Asking people is fun. Like the fundamental part of any good role playing game is talking to other people. So that's good. Uh, you could have um, a mysterious race of people built a 
highly advanced catacomb structure underneath the city, which right. has murals dictating, um, uh, displaying the monsters which you'll be fighting. And their weaknesses in handy adjacent cartouches. Oh, like cartouches. Um, a dog tells you. A dog tells you. <laughs> That's a worrying. It's a worrying change. Now we've got to investigate this dog. Drive Cole down nails through his wrists. So I'll try that again because I, I didn't. Cole's iron nails them through his wrists. I can't get her fingers. <laughs> Cole wield the hammer. Put a brick in his mouth until he dies. <laughs> Stamp that on his is, head. Like, like, put, put a brick in their mouth until they die is an old Italian way of dealing with vampires in that you have to like get a brick and hammer it down their throat. Yeah, it would work. Which, is that harder than staking? I think, I think yes. You've got a hole. Yeah, like it's already got a pilot, but it's not, not well, going to be and easy. Also, like they make it look really easy. If you try to drive wood through what is what amounts to the strongest part of the human body, like we've got bone there. Yeah, I mean, obviously you you avoid the bone. You go between betwixt ribs. Oh, I thought you had to get through the ribs. Yeah, just go just go around them. Just go. Just go these vampires have been have been surviving. Yeah. The other thing you can do is magic. Get yourself a nice ritual. Ah, uh, like, 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 like an oracle. Get, yeah, where you need to get a, a sample of the monster. So you've got to get close uh, to it once. How about you from the future? Yep, that works. Ask how you killed it. And then one week you don't show up. Yeah, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we never did. It hunts us still. Oh, no, or like it shows up. Um, <laughs> you are the real monster. Yeah, just, like, just ask yourself. Uh, look inside yourself. That's another option. Should we have another question? Yeah, shit, mate. I'll ask it. <laughs> Go on, then. Um, and it is. Mr. Grey4 asks on, uh, on, on Reddit, uh, Mr. Grey, retrying skills, your philosophy? Uh, yes, if it, make, if it makes sense. I am um, no, generally. Because it's... So, just, just to explain what Mr. Grey means here... Um, it is, there is a, a, an understanding that when you, what they, what Mr. Gray means by, uh, retrying skills is that you roll a, you, you roll the dice to try and do a thing in game, you fail, and then can you try again? Immediately. And I would argue that that is really boring, and at that point all you're doing is playing roll the dice. I think that what you need to do is change the situation in fiction. Yes, that's what I mean by by if it makes sense. Yeah. So, so like, um, if so you, if you can't get oh. through a door with a lockpick, mm-hmm. if you then want to try a strength check yeah. to kick the door down, yeah, then it's still rough. Essentially, doing the same thing, or a sneak check to try and like, or like, or like a strength check to try and like climb around the outside of the building rather than pick the lock, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, you you can achieve the same aim, but you but you, you have different means to get there. Yeah, that but, works for me. But if you just have, I roll to see if I pick the lock. You fail. Okay, I'm going to do it again. That that that's Bobbins. Also, Bobbins is is. Oh, actually, move out the way. I'll try and pick the lock. Oh, come on, man. Just yeah. Just and also, it, de- it devalues it because the first per- first first person tries usually the best person. Yeah. And th- generally, like it's the rogue who's got that as their shtick. Yeah. And then the fighter goes, "I'll have a go. I've got a point in it. Hey, I did it. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, fuck you." Um, I don't know what we fucking bring you along, fingers. And that 
that for me, like it's it's just boring, and it's it, and it's like I think that rather than this is an unpickable lock, uh, Fate has some really good examples for this, which is like rather like it's not it's not through character incompetence, it's through outside interference if they fail, because it's assumed that um, you, like if you are good at pick locks, you're going to be able to pick most of the locks. However, some some rube sold you bad tools. Or maybe some guards come before you can do it in time, or um, the a, a poison gas is is blown out of the out of the lock and you cough and fall over. <laughs> I mean that is quite an interesting ch- uh, point where retrying could be interesting. Where um, you're in, say, say somebody's chasing you, yeah. and you've got to pick a lock to get through the door to escape. Then every suppose, time you fail the lock, hmm. they get one step closer. That that's kind of fun if like, if you view it as as an extended challenge basically yeah um, and I think I think like extended challenge is where you have more than one skill check to 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 make a problem to to, to solve a problem a kind of difficult a kind of tricky because like they they take uh, they do some weird things with with pacing yeah and relative time in that most skill checks take about the same time give or take unless well like within the realm of physical, mental, or social, within each of those realms, you can assume that they're going to take roughly the same time. But you've got things like, I don't know, like, extended skill checks, they're really cool if, like, if, like an example that Chris gave there, when, like, 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 like the guards are stomping down the corridor, and you're, and you're, you're, you're trying to get the lock, you're trying to get the lock open, that's really cool. Um, but, like, if it was, if, if you um, had an extended uh, skill check to climb a cliff face, for example, all you're doing is making it X times as difficult, where X times is the number of successes you need to get. Yeah, you've got more. You've got more opportunities for failure. Which, by the way, I had an idea around this. Mm-hmm. This is a game design thing, but you know, difficulty in games is fundamentally pretty boring. Yeah. What if instead of difficulty, you just have to break each task down into more tasks? Okay, so. Explain to me picking a lock. Sure. Um, okay, so let's let's say, for example, um, I, I don't know a great deal about lock picking, but I'll see what I can improvise, okay? Okay. So a basic difficulty zero standard lock is you don't bother describing anything about it. The road goes up, he gets his hairpins and his, you know, co-hangers co- co- or whatever. I don't know how it And click it in, turn it around, brilliant. And then the let's, 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 let's say like a difficulty two one is you get in... Uh, you put your you put your um, tools in, and then there is a um, a there is a latch inside blocking off the key, which the key would normally push out of the way. So you've got to do a separate check for each part so, of the machine. Yeah, for each part of the machine, or or like let's say for example, um, rather than having um, just three climbing checks to get up the side of that to get up the side of that cliff. It's um, okay. First step, um, there is uh, there's a waterfall coming down here, and like it's not an especially strong waterfall, but it's making the rocks really slippery. And then a little bit further up, um, there is a, um, a load of puffins um, who are hanging out, and they've shat everywhere, and it's really greasy and difficult to climb. Charisma they... check for puffins, and also also they peck at you because because you're because bo- you're bothering their wonderful babbies. And so, like, maybe the druid could help out there and that sort of thing. And then at the end, maybe it's like um, enemies come and start... Um, actually, no, um, 
at, at the end. Enemies don't come and start throwing rocks down like I originally thought. Enemies come and take a big, long piss off the side. <laughs> and you have to be really sneaky and also not complain that you're getting piss in your hood. <laughs> Which, what sort of check is that? Is that wisdom to keep your cool? Constitution, I imagine, my friends. Such so, as so you aren't instantly sick? Well, no, just... just I, I, I don't think I'd be instantly sick if someone pissed on me, but I'd be like, ah, come on! <laughs> I was, oh, there's someone climbing the cliff! Cut it out! Don't cut it out! Come on, man! It's trying to climb here! That sort of thing. Oh. Or like, or like, let's, I mean, e- even if they're not pissing on you, maybe like two guards arrive and have a cigarette and they talk about their forbidden love and you have to, and, th- and now it becomes a stealth check rather than a strength check. Yeah. And it, it means, it means interestingly that you can use other things to get around the problem. So yes. for instance, you could use ghost sound as part of a climbing check. Yeah. Which is fun. I, th- I think, I think we should give players as much opportunity to use their um, levers their yeah, inputs as possible. Their toolbox. Mm. So yeah, I I think like like you 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 can retrace skills and you can have like um amount like number passed, number failed, and how that dictates the scene. Like what we did with Unbound, for example, which was fairly cool, uh, which we kind of nicked from the MD fourth, but not really. <laughs> um, I think we improved on it a little bit. But there's 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 there's, there's some fun things to be done with retrying skills, but not just you roll a dice, you fail. Okay, I'll try again. That's yeah, never like... never just repeat the action. Also, can I say something? I think it's really boring when everyone rolls perception. Yes. Just tell the person who'd see. Yep, it's not hard. It's fun. It just I don't. It's it's super rare that someone like you can maybe have someone fail perception and everyone's like, ooh, what was that? If if, if everyone fails, but it's not. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really weird skill to have because it's like interact with world three. Mm, well, I mean, that's why they, they put it as passive for yeah. some editions because then oh. the GM just knows anybody with over X is going to see this. Yeah, and I guess like from a from a thematic point of view, the elf can see more than anyone else because they've got those big anime eyes. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. Have twice the eye size. The elves are called Desu. They are so cute. Ask me a question, because I will ask you a question. Thank you. Uh, what's your take on players coming up with secret schemes that they don't want the whole group to know straight out? Fuck this and fuck them. We're talking note passing. We're talking the utter worst one, which is. Can I just speak to that side for a moment? <sighs> I, just, uh, I, uh, I think, <laughs> I think um, someone, someone on the Discord on the on the discussions thread was 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 saying that they ended up in a game which which everyone was doing recently became like a, a doctor's waiting room simulator. Yeah, which I, I I've been in similar games to that and like no shade in the GM they were trying to do their best that they could and that was how they were enjoying their game but it was not my scene. Look, when you play role playing games, you are both the protagonists and the audience. And there's no other audience unless you're recording it for some reason, and I honestly don't think you should. <laughs> um, it does make even, it weird. It, it does make it weird, and also even the best actual plays are fundamentally pretty dull. But when you hide information from players, not characters, that can be quite tricky. Now, I think everyone's got a story of that one time that someone hid information, and it was cool. But crucially, that that. That hiding of information, the cool part is when that information came out. 
Yeah. Well, I said, okay, so the cool parts when that information came out, I, you know, skipped to the end. That's kind of our philosophy. But also, you need to have that build-up. So let's say, for example, um, my uh, my partner, Mary, um, was a was playing a double agent in a marriage game for, I think, a year and a half. Mm. And she was doing things like she was still turning up and, make, and, and making sure and she was, she was trying to make it not disrupt the game. But occasionally, like, she'd she'd um, send a text to the GM saying, yeah, I'm just going to call the police real quick while we're here, okay? And that, and, and that sort of thing, which meant that they were, which, which meant she kind of acted as an NPC yeah. in that way, or like, like as an antagonist as well. And that's super cool because she, like, she didn't let it interrupt the flow of the game and it came as a surprise at the end when, when, when people found out, et cetera, et cetera. But I think more often than not, people, people are not my partner, Mary, do not have a brain the size of a planet and can't pull that off. And so generally, like, you just, you just have to say, um, uh, can, can we just stop? Can we just stop having fun for a bit while I go have fun with it with the game? Yeah, I think, I think it's my turn for the fun. Uh, if it's it was my turn. To, yeah, none of you though. You can't come. This is private fun between me and the games master. Come along. I think though, as we move towards more online gaming, mm-hmm. that does actually open up new avenues. Yeah. Because I can get a note from a player in milliseconds. Have it not disrupt mm. the game? Yeah. Nobody's taken out of a room, and I can talk and type. And that still works. Yes, um, we had a lovely situation. We had a lovely example of that in a game we ran on the Hearty Dice um, Discord for a Hangout a few months ago, um, where I where I dropped like one sentence to to a player saying um, this uh, like this is your apartment. Your kids were here. They're not here anymore. In an amnesia game, yeah. And that was really cool because like it just gave him this this uh, huge motivation to work there. It was one sentence and we fired it off. And then everyone thought he was just acting weird. Yeah. And then it started to come out as he went through, and that was really nice. And I think, like, and like, was one of the strengths of online games is that it allows you, um, it gives you infinite channels of sub communication. It doesn't give you infinite channels of main communication, which is why it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. But you, you don't get that sort of body language. You don't get that face to face interaction. Mm. I mean, webcams do help a bit, a bit but but, the, but there's so much cross talk. Plus, like, I. When I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm at my computer, I'm not presenting my best self. No, I mean, I'm not wearing trousers now. No, I am wearing trousers because it's cold. But normally, like, I, uh, I, like to, I like to just slob out and pick my nose. So, like, <laughs> that's, that's, ju- that's just for the NSA to see or whoever it is looks at us. <laughs> it was, it was, actually, which I assume it's the NSA as well. Yeah. I, I really struggle with it. I think that, like, and I, fuck, I wrote Paranoia, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, which is a game of secret schemes, and the way in which that I do this, and, and like, so actually, this, 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 I think this is going to be my last word on the topic. And Chris, you're welcome to keep talking. Um, we have uh, in, in Paranoia, it's widely assumed that every character in this dystopian future ha- is, a, is a member of a secret society, and they're all kind of joke secret societies. After you receive your mission briefing, what I'd do is I'd is, is, is I'd stand up and say, so it could like we could do this in character, and I can do note passing and mysterious sort of conversation and stuff. That would take about at least half the game. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to call you out the room one by one. It's going to take about seven minutes tops. So I'll just deliver you your briefings, and you you can work it out yourselves how it happened. And so I get everyone out, and I give them their secret mission, and then they go back in. And some of them I might do in a funny voice. But normally, I just deliver them completely dry, out of character, and then they go in and play. Because the point of the game is not to talk to your handler and have that have, have that mysterious sort of um, dystopian 
who can you trust sort of thing. The idea is you can trust no one and you get to go and play that out. Yeah, and that works. And I think that's because everybody's on the same page Yeah. doing that. Yeah. Whereas if it's suddenly one person goes, aha, I have a plot, I have a plan. A, s- a scheme. GM, can I borrow you for 26 minutes? Mm. Uh, nope. No, you can't. You can no, you tell can't. me at the table. Yeah, like tell the other players. Like, like the other thing is, if you're all grown ups, then we can probably get behind it. Yeah, we'll, you know? we'll join in. It's cool. Also, like as long as you're cool about it, so like don't steal from us and shit. Yeah, don't be the dickbag thief. Don't be the dickbag thief. But like, if you've got a cool idea from mysterious other plot, yeah, we'll make it happen. That'll be cool. I like I the thing about the thing about role playing is I, I'd kind of like to be betrayed as long as I knew it was coming. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, like, not, not out of character, but in character, that sounds like a fun story. And it also lets me sort of mug up and play into it. And be like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I guess I'll let you hold my child. <laughs> it lets you play a part in the scene, which is yes, precisely, yes. just being a passive participant. Yeah, precisely. And I think, like, the issue, I think the issue of that comes with an issue of maturity and the idea of, like, in character versus out of character knowledge, and blah, 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 which is tricky in a different conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Now. Ask me. Gerald the Sorceress. The Sorceress. Right. Not the Sorceress. No, the the sorceress. sorceress. Um, Or like sorcery. Yeah. Gerald the Sorceress asks, in your opinion, what is the GM's job and why? Uh, administrator? Like, at the, at the very height of it, your job is to sit there and make sure that everything runs okay. Yeah. I view them a bit like um, Drew Carey in Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or yeah, you're there, for, um, you're there for the prompts. Aisha Tyler. Or earlier, Clive James. Clive James? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was in the English one. They are... It's a very strange job. It's a very strange job. Because you're in charge, but you have to... You have to give people a fun challenge. You have to give people the ability to, like, to feel challenged and a bit scared, but also safe and trusting. We're going to come back to the whole Dom sub thing again, Chris. <laughs> we, we don't necessarily need to, but I do understand why. Well, I, I, I think unlike every previous time, it's apt. Yeah, <laughs> it's very close to a Dom's to, to a Dom's relationship. In the in, in the in that the players come along and say, "I want I, I'm going to play a character, and I want you to put this character through hardships and difficulties, and I'm going to trust you to make this scary but exciting." Yeah, for me, and I know that. Like, I hope that you're not going to be a dick about this, and if you are, I'm going to leave. But the idea is that I'm putting I'm putting my trust in your hands because you have infinite power and I have very finite power. Um, I think I, I think you're right about the about about, about um, administrant in, in in terms of making things work. Yeah, and there's also an element of the therapist about it, which is just you listen to them talk for a while and you go, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> and then you listen to them talk for a while. It's just that. That okay? How do we? Do you want to try an action with that? Yeah. How is this going to push the game forward? Yeah, and that—that's it. Like you—you you can get away doing very little. I mean, that's why yeah. the—that's why GMless games exist. Because mm. um, you can program us. Because yeah, because you can program it as long as everybody's on the same page and everybody's working towards a common goal of a fun yeah. story. Yeah. Not necessarily a common goal in the story. Yeah, like like, like fiasco. Yeah. For example, exactly. um, which which gives the GM like gives both the GM and players very limited powers, um, but then opens that up to largely anyone. It, ha- it has the group GM rather than one person. 
it's 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 tricky. Like it's it's a very weird mental state you have to put yourself in. And I've learned a lot from improv, and I've learned a lot from writing games as well, and how you how you have to manage player expectations. And yeah. how you have to be like I, I think that um, Apocalypse World has one of my favorite uh, explanations of, of how you're supposed to act, which is which is you are a fan of the player characters. Mm. Yeah, for um, sure. Which means that you want to see them get into scrapes, and you want to see like, oh, how are they going to get out of this one? Like, you're not a friend; you're a fan. Yeah, and that's a really important twist there. I think also like um, the GM's job is to one of the most important jobs is the final arbiter. So, like, they are in charge of the tone of the game. They are in charge of where the rules start and stop. They are in charge of what you can and can't do. And they are in charge of the world. Yeah. And in corollary to that, there's also the ability to just go, all right, we're not going to do this bit anymore. Like... What do you mean? um, When people fixate on something that is to the side of the story. And scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like people are trying to work out what colour to paint a wagon they've just stolen. Yes. Didn't that actually happen? That that, actually, that legit happened. It was, How long did they talk about the wagon paint? I, I wasn't the GM at that point. Oh, okay. Um, but it was just under an hour. Wow. Of discussion about what they should do to paint this wagon. Um, and like the GM has the power to go. Okay, pick a colour. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't matter. No, I know, but you know what I mean. Just that they yeah. can end that sort of yeah. thing and or like, or, steer well, no, things no, no, back. Like, sorry, sorry, like, like, like what I'm, well, I'm, sorry, I'm speaking as the GM, saying yeah. it, like, it, it doesn't actually it doesn't matter what color you paint. Like, it's cool. It'll work. Yeah, that's that's not that's, that's not the story I'm interested in telling. Yeah, I mean that's that's a strong phrase. That's not the story I'm interested in telling. Yeah, and I think that like if everyone has a story they're interested in telling, and like you, you've got like all the story that the rogue's interested in telling. Is stealing from people and really working out traps, and it's like if that's not the story everyone else is interested in telling, you need to have a discussion. Mm. But generally, people want to be um, people want to just have their hair pulled a little bit and <laughs> and kind of like yeah, they want to have their hair pulled. Like, they want to get shouted at a little bit, and they want someone to take care of them while it happens. Yeah, and that's what every every player is a weird masochist. Yeah, and that's okay, uh, Chris. Drop a question on me. I think we're, we're nearly out of time. I think we are. We're doing pretty well. Can you can you drop a question on me, please? All right. Owen asks, what role-playing question do you guys want answered? Grant, do you have any role-playing questions that you'd like answered? Well, I'm a genius. I know all the answers. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started a podcast with I. Oh, oh, infallible. How I... Yeah, I, I don't really see the point. But, um... Let's see. Let's see if, if, if I can think of some points. So, um, how do you handle that bit where someone, where one player sees a thing and then they and then they have to explain it to the other players? Oh, that's a nightmare. That's like the GM describes it to one player, and the player has to describe it to the other players. And generally, they just say, "Yeah, you, you see, you, you, I, I tell you exactly what the GM said." Yeah. But how can we make that fun? How can we make the uh, the session where you all just meet each other and you must be like, oh, I guess you guys must be the player the player characters. Let's let's hang out. Yeah, that's that's always a really tricky one. Where they're just like in the back of a van on a mission. Yeah. It's like you can talk amongst yourselves. The GM says, "Oh, thanks." I I actually said it was a game you were in at one point. We had this really cool entry. It was um it was it was the final mission of a Dark Heresy campaign. And you guys um, managed to get drop pods, 
and you smashed into the top of a Chaos Titan and swarmed out with with like this sort of ragtag army that you built up and 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 tried to get in to to to, to disable it. And you started running down the, you started running down a corridor, and I turned to you all and said, "And roleplay." <laughs> Like, and you all, you all just looked at me like, what? No, what? I'm not, I, now, now it's awkward. You can't ask for it. It just sort of happens. Why are halflings so fucking popular? Right? Them and their Kenda friends. Fucking Kenda. Why are Kenda allowed? There should be rules. Here's my question. Who do I talk to to permanently kill every fucking Kenda? <laughs> Who bans Kenda for us? No, no, bans seems too soft. Burns. Wow. Now, I, I, I think, I, I think this is one of the very few instances where genocide is fine and should be encouraged. Yeah. I like, yeah, like Kenda. Aside from, listen, in every other case, I'm going to say genocide is at best a bad plan. Yeah. But Kenda, no, fuck Kenda. They're just the worst. Like <sighs> an entire race of dickbag thieves. And they are um, just to explain to. Anyone who doesn't know what Kenda are, um, for, firstly, sorry, because we're going to tell you. Second, so Kenda are um, it's like a halfling, which is like a like a like a three foot tall human. Yeah, two two two, two three foot tall human. Um, you make them even more childlike, and you, you make them racially non racially incapable of understanding the concept of property in as much as it applies to to, to robbing people. Yeah, in that they'll go through other. Other player characters' things, take their valuable stuff, and then when when the other player character confronts them, and this is it, like in the fucking book, it's recommended. So, oh, I was just borrowing it. Oh, I thought you wouldn't notice. Oh, I was going to buy your diner fire. Yeah, yeah, little bastard. I don't mean it's not fun for everything. <sighs> what about you, Chris? Um, why does why is it always the thing that you least expect that players will latch onto? That mm. always gets me. I think it, I think it's because like because you mention it in a throwaway manner, and players are like, "Oh, you mentioned that in a throwaway manner. He it must be he must be hiding something there, rather than this <laughs> big obvious plot off to the left." Yeah, I think also so like there's a there's a thing I do in, uh, in computer games. You know, how, and I'm sure the Germans have a word for this. You know, like you're playing a computer game and you see the way. And you go the other way. So you go the other way. And then the Germans probably have a word for when you go the other way and actually that was the way. And you feel a bit sort of dim for that. But yeah. and you hit, and did you hit a checkpoint so you can't go back anyway? Yeah. But the whole sort of... Um, I, 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 whenever I watch someone play Final Fantasy, I get bored to fucking tears. Yeah. Because one, it's Final Fantasy, but two, those games are built around the idea that you should explore dead ends just to find stuff. Yeah, and not like fun plot stuff, but like, oh, I've got a feather and stuff, you know? Hey, Phoenix yeah. down. <clears throat> That's quite good, though, isn't it? Phoenix down. I have no idea what it does. I think you rub it on a corpse, and the corpse gets better. That's weird. Surely that's a feather. Yeah, it's a feather. Yeah. Like, how is that? Never mind. Well, it's from a phoenix, mate. Is the thing. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, it's not just like a pigeon down. <laughs> Goose down. That is a cheap it, pillow. And just like cloud slashes open a, 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 a pillow and starts hurling goose at everyone. No. I don't mean to alarm me, but I think Chris has either disappeared or he's having a coughing fit. Oh, no, no, he disappeared. Okay. It was me. I disappeared. 
I'm very sorry. My internet fucked up. My internet's been fucking up quite a lot recently, and we'll see if we can get reconnected. Um, but until then, um, maybe I can't get reconnected, so what I'll do, I'll start doing the outro now. And if I can do the outro before Chris gets back, um, we'll, we'll call it there. Thank you very much for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. Chris and I have been very ill, and we've decided to uh, just pull it out for this one to make it happen, and I think I'm pretty happy with what we managed to pull off. My name is Grant Hatt, he is Chris Taylor, and if you like what we've done, you can go to patreon.com forward slash hearty dice friends, give us a bit of money. Uh, if you give us any money, you can come along and hang out the Discord, it's really low Discord. Recently, we have established a page called Pictures of Lovely Capybaras. Um, and that's just a that is a thread which you're only allowed to post pictures of capybaras. Um, any discussion of those pictures or pictures of other things goes in discussions of pictures of lovely capybaras, which was a rogue channel not set up by me, but I'll allow, I'll allow it to exist for the time being. We're we're on Twitter at HDF Podcast. If you want to ask us some questions or follow us on there, and finally you can send us an email at heartydosefriends at gmail Now I think. That's it, and I think I might be back online. You are. Hello, Chris. I just did the outro. I just I heard the very end of the outro. Well done. I figured I, I figured it was it was profesh. Yeah. Uh, to do that, um, so I've, I've done all of it. Chris, how much do you love the players? Love the players, the, players. the listeners, the, pl- the players. I love so much. Mm-hmm. But the uh, listeners, the listeners, I love them also as much. I'd like to get the listener. You know what I'd like to do? Because it's cold. Ooh, ooh, it's cold. It's two degrees outside at the moment. I'd like, I'm sure every Canadian would be like, two degrees? I shit two degrees. Whatever, it's cold for us, all right? I want to get the listener and put a nice big hat on them with a pom-pom. One of them pom-pom hats. One of them pom-pom hats, like a moodle, to go back to Final Fantasy. I want to get them a big, long, woolly scarf. Like, a slightly too long one. Because they're fun, aren't they? They are. And then a big, puffy jacket, like what May wears... In Overwatch, <laughs> and they're like they're there having a the cold. Brrr, it's cold, and then we're there, and we both let them up in our big arms. We put well, y- your arms are quite big. My arms are merely long, like like, <laughs> like some noodles stapled to a sheet of A4 paper. But on the plus side, you have hot chocolates. So that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, we're going to wrap our arms around the listener. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have given them a hot chocolate beforehand, and then we'll lean in real close and we'll say, "We're really sorry we infected you." <laughs> Too late now, though. Too late now. Though. I like that mug. <laughs> um, <laughs> just right, just cough wetly in their ear. Um, no, you know what? In the, in, in this magical fantasy, we're not ill. Because God, I'd love to not be ill. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best? God, I'm so fucking bored of coughing up jellyfish every morning. However. We're going to give you a big hug, and you're going to get nice and warm, and then we're going to go inside. And you know what? We've got your favourite board game to play. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, your favourite one, not yours, the listeners. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's this? A third Hearty Dice friend, as I hinted to, I mentioned one. His name is Bringus. Bringus has been mulling wine. Oh, thanks, Bringus. Hey, guys! I know this word! Bringus, please don't talk to the to we've, listener. We've spoken about how you shouldn't Br- talk. Bringus, you, you're not allowed out of the hutch. Not when people are around. Get back in that. Okay, see you next week! Being out, the, being out of the hutch is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> we love you very much. Thank you for listening. Hopefully by this time next week, we will either be dead or better. Our sonorous tones will either be in the grave or in your ears. <laughs> 
Goodbye, sweet